Hello and welcome to the Dub Talk Space Hotel. Before you check in, allow us to go over the rules for our guests. Number one, the stuff at the Dub Talk Space Hotel may use language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Guest discretion is advised. Second, the stuff at the Dub Talk Space Hotel will discuss spoilers pertaining to all of the orbital children and may discuss spoilers for other series, so guests who want a fresh experience may want to book a room at a later date. Number three, the views and opinions of the staff of the Dub Talk Space Hotel do not reflect those of the Dub Talk Space Hotel as a whole, so please don't sue us. And number four, the Dub Talk Space Hotel is not liable for any faulty space equipment, sudden meteor strikes, or terrorist attacks you may deal with during your stay. Again, please don't sue us, we've already gone bankrupt. Enjoy your stay. Uh, hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where a group of nerds come together to talk about the latest in English Dubs for anime, and uh, I guess just uh, today's screw around, this time in space. Uh, so anyway, I'm Jet, and I'm joined tonight by Amon. Howdy. Uh, Megan. Megan, 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 Megan! And no clue. Yeah, I gotta say, Jet, when you told us you wanted to cover uh, the second episode of Futurama where they get trapped on the moon, I was really surprised, but I can't say I disagree with that choice. I know, but, uh, I mean, uh, no. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I can already tell we're recording this one. I'm quite tired. Anyway. Technically, technically, Amon is two Noahs stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. I'm not that tall. Eh. You're pretty tall. Yeah, you are quite tall. Uh, and I am pretty short, so, yes. Uh, 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 so three Noahs. Uh, anyway, it's been a long time coming, but we're all finally here to talk about Digimon. Uh, wait, no, we're not. Uh, we- oh man. Uh, <laughs> when that Discotech Blu-ray comes out, yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But- thank- by the way, thank you, Discotech, for salvaging... Please get Frontier. Megan wants to do a Frontier episode. Uh, uh, that would, uh, would be nice to get that dream. Out of the way. Sorry, Noah. You were saying? I was saying thank you, Discotech, for uh, putting out high-res versions of of that show so that people don't have to salvage, like, the, uh, you know, the TV rips with the bad interlacing and the, the Disney Toon logo at the bottom corner of it. Do you mean the Flatrion editions? Oh, uh, Because uh, I do, in fact, own the Digimon Frontier version. Uh, uh, yeah, those masters are not great. Uh, it'd also be nice to, you know, have uh, subs available that aren't uh, terrible, because I'm pretty sure the only ones that exist are, like, ones that we did, like, way back in the 2000s, and the other torrents were terrible. I think they're right. splitting that release, though, on just, like, a double-only and a sub-only They version. are. Uh, that's true, but at least it's yeah. available for the first time. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably gonna buy both of them, so anyway, but this isn't what we're talking about. Uh, Not uh, yet, anyway. Uh, yeah, we... Let's hope you can buy this someday on home video. Uh, on, like, no, uh, hopefully, I guess it depends on how our Overlord Netflix feels, but anyway, uh... We are here today to talk about the latest series from uh, Mitsuhiro the famed director of Deno Coil. Um, we are here to talk about the Orbital Children. Uh, technically, uh, the original title is that's for Directorial Boys and Girls, but they got localized as Orbital Children because uh, I guess Netflix thought that it was more marketable. Well, in so. fairness, in fairness, if you present, if you saw any of the show called Extraterrestrial Boys and Girls, I'd assume it's about like actual aliens. 
that are like you know green or something. Ah, this is true. I was gonna say. Uh, Ahmad, if, that's if, racist. If, are you saying that all people from outer planets are green? No. I thought you were better. Just than the that. ones from Mars. But they need moms. No, no. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> you, don't you brought that evil in my house, Bobby Boucher. You get that out of here. Make me. I was going to say no. If they called it uh, extraterrestrial boys and girls, everybody would be like, man, this is a really weird E.T. spinoff. <laughs> there's not even any, there's not even Reese's Pieces in this. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, if you haven't seen the show, uh, I would pull off a synopsis off of A&N, but they don't have one for some reason. So instead, I'm pulling one from Anime Planet. Which you should always use instead of Maul, because Maul is terrible. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, in the year 2045, where the internet and AI are commonplace, even in space, uh, it's a, the story centers on a group of children stranded in space after a large-scale accident occurs in a space station. By using narrowband, social networking, and a drone that they can manipulate through, star, through smartphones and AI, they overcome many crises. Uh, some crises include things like uh, getting trapped in a space hotel, conspiracy theories, and, uh, ah, man, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on the last one. My internet the, is the, down! Why is my internet down? No, no, the, the, big, the big thing they have to trap the battle is the one thing that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! space! Except in this show it has, because, look, everything's corrupted by capitalism now. That made me so mad. Yeah, you're right. That, the show directly... Tim Curry sing Tim Curry looks to the sky and just a single tear rolls down his cheek. <laughs> Command and conquer this. this. To me? <laughs> uh, I mean, it makes sense that as soon like you're gonna need money to fund the equipment to get people to outer space, and so therefore there will have to be commercials. <laughs> also, be there's like chips in kids' heads to make sure that they don't die of moon syndrome. Uh, no, no, that's, that's only if they were born on the moon. Uh, yep. Yeah. You wouldn't download a kid, would you? Uh, well, not if... unless you want to get on certain <laughs> FBI watch lists. No, probably not. Oh God! <laughs> uh, would that make oh, them an not... NFT? Non-fungible teenagers. God damn it! <laughs> I hate that this is the second night in a row that I've recorded where I've made a joke about children being turned into NFTs. <laughs> or there have been jokes it's about turning children into NFTs. Which makes me have to do my favorite joke of all time about NFTs because they suck, which is Ooh, Yuki Boy, I've made your grandfather into an NFT. <laughs> Was that a Yu-Gi-Oh reference? Yes, it's the fucking funniest Yu-Gi-Oh Ah, yeah, that made that a while ago. It's beautiful. Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh boy, I trapped your grandfather in the blockchain. That's that's what S wanted the entire time. S just wanted to upload Kodaha to the Kodaha to the blockchain. So this is um I'm glad that Jed I'm glad you brought up the director uh, Mitsao Isao because uh like you mentioned he's probably best known in our circle as the director of Deno Coil but he's also a really prolific mech designer and animator who's been in like a bunch of different studios including like uh production ID and Studio Ghibli too. Yes, oh yeah, he's been around a long time. I'm pretty sure he also did some work on Ava. So yeah, he's been around a while. Uh, uh, if you I saw see the you, final but... episode of this show. If you saw the uh, what, what the you know characters 
uh, waxing philosophically with uh, artificial intelligence, I'm like, this is just a ripoff of uh, End of Evangelion. I was gonna say, when does, uh, when does, um... Shit, hold on, I have to look up this movie. Oh my god. What the fuck was this kid's name? Oh man, I love I love this new rendition of uh, AI artificial intelligence where Haley Joel Osment talks talk to the blockchain to keep his little sister from being absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg looks to the yeah, sky as a single tear rolls down his cheek. It's a good it's good that you started mentioning uh, science fiction movies right off the bat because this show doesn't necessarily like reference other science fiction uh, books and movies, but it pulls from uh, themes that we've seen in a lot of them as well. The idea of people needing to leave outer space, uh, overpopulation problems, the dangers of traveling in space, artificial intelligence. There's a hodgepodge of hard science fiction. Yeah, so this is not this is not your grandfather's science. Yeah, so, yeah I feel like Mitsu Ezer's aesthetic in general could just be described as like. Uh, but it's a hard sci-fi concept mixed together with, like, Summer Wars. And that is basically his entire aesthetic. <laughs> there is a lot of Summer uh, You're not wrong. I was going to say, did, did you say Digimon met Summer Wars? I'm like, aren't they the same thing? <laughs> it, it, they are. They it, are. Only, only part of Summer Wars. His thing feels like he's, let a, he's read a lot of, like, old English language science fiction. And it's like, I like this, but can it be less... 1953, maybe. Just I like this concept, but like, like not so old and stodgy and blindly optimistic about progress and science and crap. Yeah, <laughs> and he, that was the whole reason that he chose uh, kids as the main characters. Is that space travel is usually reserved for older people, like military experts and people who've done years of training. So he wanted to show, like, you know, in a couple of decades, it'll probably be so commonplace that children can travel into outer space with relative ease. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. That was kind of the general conceit with Dano Goyle, so focusing on stuff like virtual pets and whatnot. Which, by the way... Also, uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I have to break bad news to you. Oh, oh uh, absolutely. Break the bad news. I'd love to hear that. Uh, Encanto won Best Picture! <laughs> Son of a fucking bitch! God damn it! <laughs> So oh, predictable. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Cuss, cuss, mother cussing, cuss. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew it was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna happen. It's a good movie, though. It's not about the quality of the movie. It's the Academy's insistence on not recognizing anyone other than Disney makes good animated movies. Anyway, back yeah, on track. I'm sorry. I just as, had to break the news, too. I know it's fine. Just remember, just remember, people. We don't talk about food. Yet, I hope. No. We don't talk <laughs> Not only do I have to deal with Encanto being best animated feature now, even though it didn't win at the Annie Awards, but also my daughter Ruby really, really likes the soundtrack, and he, she has been singing all of the songs and all of the lyrics nonstop for weeks now. Okay, to be fair, to be fair, Doso Regitas kicks ass and I will actually well, fight you That's the only on one it. she hasn't been singing. <laughs> get your, tell your daughter to get I, better taste. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have her in Spanish immersion. There's an English version of that. Anyways, whatever. Yeah, back, back to orbital children. Uh, <laughs> I just smacked myself uh, in the anyway, face. Well, we, anyway, we've been on quite a tangent here, but uh, we should probably be talking about the dub for this camp. Yes. 
that, that is that really is the good. gimmick, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, as always, uh, we start off the show by talking about uh, the ADR staff uh, being the ADR director and the adaptive scriptwriter. Uh, so the ADR director for this series is Juan Suzanne Goldis, who has directed such show who has directed dubs for such shows as. Bugo Stray Dogs, Porto Naruto yeah. Next Generations, Tiger and Bunny, and Digimon Last Evolution Kiza. Oh, nice. And, oh, no wonder this sounded so yeah. good. Man, the Digimon, the Digimon, the Digimon theme going through tonight will will be strong. Uh, so, oh, trust me, I'm not done with that quite Well, now, no, hold on. And, uh, That's uh, only uh, for the director. I'm sure the scriptwriter has no Digimon connections. Okay, uh, so Jeff Newboy oh, has been God. around for a long time, and he's done... Uh, scripts on such shows as uh, Zat Spell, Bleach, and uh, Digimon Adventure, Digimon Adventure Zero Two, Digimon Data Squad, <laughs> and Digimon, yeah. Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kiza. Yeah. Did you say Jeff Nimoy? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I also I also skipped a couple of Digimon things because if I look, if I was listening to Digimon credits for him, we'd be here a while. <laughs> Jeff Jeff Nimoy is in fact the American version of the Digimon franchise. There, like, you know how there's different parts, but, like, if you wanted to, like, I don't know, cut the Digimon Hydra, <laughs> you'd have to kill Jeff Nimoy first. Ah, uh, for sure. But you'd, you'd never, you'd never want to kill the Tentamon. Yeah, Tentamon's, okay, on the scale of Digimon partners, Tentamon is pretty cool, but he's not Gabumon or Gomamon. That's true, that's true, but as was posted in uh, one of our Discord surfers, Anjawamon can get it. Noah, Noah, okay, I'll be right go back. to jail. Continue. Uh, so, 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 yeah, uh, so, right off the bat, I think this was a pretty solid, a pretty solid little dub. It came together pretty well for the most part. I definitely, like, so, uh, I definitely, I definitely appreciated that, um, that, that one thing they, that one thing they did here that, um, I mean, it's obviously important for a show like this, but not every dub necessarily does well is, I appreciate that they got in actors who could do, like, pretty convincing child voices, which is the ultimate thing I liked about the dub for Dead Uncle mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that, yeah, and I think that, yeah, I think that all the actors here actually have, like, pretty convincing child voices heads, like, maybe... Sounds like maybe our lead who took, he needed like maybe a ladder to to like adjust what was otherwise pretty good after that. Now see, I I will bring this up when we bring up the discussion about the lead character. In that I do kind of agree that his is the least kid sounding. But if you listen to the Japanese, it's about the same pitch too, and he is supposed to be on you know fourteen years old. So I don't hold them as much of a grudge for that one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't hold a grudge against. I don't hold a. I, yeah, I don't hold a grudge against him. It's just kind of like a minor thing, and like. Right. And like I said before, yeah. after like a line or two, he adjusts pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty yeah. consistent too. Um, it helps that this is only a six-episode uh, mini-series essentially, so there's not room for a lot of variation. But uh, Suzanne's direction is to you know deviate from serious to goofy when it needs to be, and then to dramatic when it uh, things are like death-defying. And so there's not, yeah, I don't really think there's a lot of, like, deviation, not just in the way the individual characters talk, but also amongst each other. Everyone kind of sounds like they come from the same universe. 
Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, but he's always been a very consistent director, and I've usually been pretty happy with everything he does, and, and he definitely brought that consistency here, I think. Now, which Digimon film did you say that Suzanne directed? The dub of? Uh, uh, she did, uh, oh, she did the, good one. the uh, last evolution keys in a film. Which sounded really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, the good uh, recent Digimon movie. So many thoughts I, uh, on the tri. We talk about the tri films. <laughs> the tri films don't exist. Don't ever bring up Maykumon in any uh, any con- conversations. Uh, that is ground for uh, being turned into a digi egg. Uh, I I will say though, I really like this dub because I. I actually am, uh, I particularly like a lot of Suzanne's work, like, Jet brought it up that she's done, she did effectively what I thought was the best Crunchyroll produced funded dub up until 86, which was Boon Go Straight Dogs. I think she's done absolutely fantastic with that. And I think to me, I didn't ever really feel like the kids sounded either too old or too young, because I was really captivated by how well Jeff Nimoy's adaptive script made everything sound natural and it's something that i felt was also a really big uh boon for another show that was very sci-fi out and probably more out there than orbital children is orbital children is an orbital children you know literally takes place in outer space um it, the writing here reminded me, the adaptive writing technique here reminded me a lot of what Tyler Walker and Matt Shipman did for Sunny Boy, where the techno babble is able to very much interlace well with the emotional stakes of the show. Because, like, the last episode is a lot of, like, quantum computing stuff, but you can still feel a very familiar anime tension of wanting to save somebody you deeply care about. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I also kind of liked a lot I also kind of liked the way Jeff Nimoy kind of worked around not some of the like, ex- uh, some of the stuff that was like, not like explicitly Japanese but might be like a little tricky to translate. So, uh, so, uh, like, there's, uh, like there's a bit in the beginning where uh, uh, where they kind of lead into uh, the <laughs> into our bleed our leading boy Toya being a bit of a chutney. So they so they do drive yeah, so they do directly so they do directly address what is uh, commonly yeah. called like eighth grader syndrome in Japan, which is kind of like what you be a trans. I gotta to. admit that that's a jet that's the first time I've heard anyone actually use the term chinio in like a casual conversation. <laughs> like the same way you would name drop words like otaku or weeb, and so I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that that term has caught on a lot more in the last decade because it wasn't ten years ago. Yeah, so, oh, I, oh, I say it all the time and things. Uh, so, uh, but, it, but anyway, uh, but anyway, that does come up. So they do that, that does come up, and they do like briefly kind of work around it by just mentioning like middle school sickness, which is like, uh, which I mean, uh, it's still a little awkward, but like it works well enough. And then, like, and then you get other stuff like uh, with Mina's whole YouTuber stick, and using and going like Mina, Mina, Mina. But technically, Mina. she is animated. She's not a YouTuber. She's just a Twitch streamer. <laughs> she doesn't have a rig. Yeah, you stop that. 
this yeah, 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 and well, yeah, and well, they could have like translated Mina Mina as like you know like Mina Mina everyone or something like that. I do think like Mina 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 kind of works in a sense of like it doesn't oh, yeah. just like a sort of cringy thing a teen like a teenager on YouTube would do. So I feel like it works well. She's still less cringeworthy than Ninja. It, it is interesting to watch um, uh, the what is today still kind of niche entertainment, that being the Twitch live stream, and show it uh, kind of how it would evolve into the future. And this being directed and the brainchild of a, you know, a slightly older animation director. This isn't like a millennial or even a, a Gen Zer doing this. This is like a full-on boomer who understood that concept enough to integrate it into the show. So I'm I'm glad that they did it justice in the dub. Also, be I like the I like the fact that Mina's streaming, and and this is something that I know Noah and I are going to discuss again later this summer. Um, I do really like the the fact that as a show, um, Orbital Children never treats the the grandness of the internet. And the our ability to communicate through it as something that is very malicious or very like um, to be mocked or uh... yeah, like I it, it's kind of like the very difference of a lot of cynical Western live action films about the internet, how it's dangerous and seedy and it can't be trusted and it's a place of evil and stuff when. In this case, had Mina not been live streaming everything, no one would have ever known about oh, sure. this. And, and the show integrates more than just her streaming uh, to explain the internet. They describe peer-to-peer -peer communication. They use laser technology to communicate when they don't have voice uh, abilities. It's like written by someone, or at least a team, who was really fascinated by the capabilities of the internet, not just as a toy, but as a resource for the far future and how it could really be used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, oh, yeah, Alba, did you have anything to say? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sorry. That's <I'm> fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good dub. It's the kind of dub where I didn't really think about like it being a dub that much. It's just like, that was good. <laughs> well, that's I the best kind. It. I mean, that's... Everyone, sound, like, everyone sounded good, like the character. I, I have not seen Denu Coil. Fun fact. Neither fun have I. Fun, fa fun fact. Deno Coil is the only anime I ever torrented back when I was a teenager, and I tested one file to make sure it's playing correctly, and then proceeded to never watch it. That is a very of, 2010s thing to say. Is, I, was this the 2010s? Is my still no? This would have been the 2000s. I was in college yet. Oh, oh you were talking. Oh, like even um, before it hit home video. That's right, because it took it took a while after it actually came out for it to even become did, available didn't, in America. Didn't it only didn't it only hit home video within like the last like? I want to say I want yeah I want to say yeah yeah it only hit home video within like the last maybe six years I would say. Yeah, like I, I remember that coming out and being like, oh my god, Denikoi, that's so old now. I'm shocked that got licensed. Brought to us by Made in Japan. May they rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, right. Peace. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely very surprising that got done, but I. I welcome it. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Dino Coil, but I'm interested in seeing it in part because I I vaguely recall like, you know, I I, I torrented it because it sounded like it was good, uh, and it I feel like one of the things it brought up was that like there's a lot of heady sci-fi in here, but it still feels very grounded. Like these these it's good at writing 
characters that feel very real and authentic, and I have not watched the show, I can't say whether or not that's true, but I definitely think that's true about this. These all feel like actual people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I think the dub does a good job of carrying that across. Like these these feel like a bunch of teenagers in a situation that's a little above their heads, and <laughs> all the adults are not even useless, just like either non-present or not really in a position to do anything about it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, it's it's good. My question to the, this group is that we were kind of talking about Jeff Nimoy's uh, adaptation of the, the tech lingo and everything into the script. Was there anything that you guys felt kind of went over your heads that you didn't quite get from the English dub? Define uh, uh, get. I think not upon... The, there's a lot that went over my head in the first rewatch, but that wasn't the dub's fault. Okay. That's just the show. I mean, look, I gotta turn my brain off whenever they were talking about quantum physics, but I got everything else. You're not thinking 11 <laughs> No, I'm a humanities major. I don't know what the fuck math is. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a quote I saw someone once say talking about basically like Star Trek TV shows where a lot of the times, like, the techno babble's not really, like, it's not supposed to be, like, real. It's just kind of like poetry almost like you're not supposed to worry about what it actually means just let mm -hmm. it flow over you um i know like i know enough about science that it's like yeah some of this sounds correctish. <laughs> i couldn't articulate any of it but this sounds like plausible they, they did some research i feel like even if they're kind of in that realm of like okay what does this look like in like a few decades I think the the one thing that uh, specifically I don't know if it's real or if they just made it up for the show is the AI limiters. The idea about having like levels that your AI's intelligence can only go to, and you have to basically grant it the permission to uh, essentially think bigger. I'm not sure if that's actually part of AI. Oh, that oh, that is 100 anything this show made up, but it's but that's definitely not a new idea to science fiction. Yeah, I don't like that. That is made up in the sense that we do not have AI complicated enough to worry about. Like that is a problem when like, are you familiar with you know what the singularity is? Yes, the idea. Right. That that is a like when the singularity becomes like a thing that might happen, then you start worrying about like intelligence <laughs> dampeners for AI. We are nowhere near there, so da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> Skynet again. Ugh. Uh, Come that, on, guys. We tried to destroy you like five times now. Just die already. That was another good. That's a refreshing thing about uh, basically all the the solo series that Mitsuo Itso has directed is that he's kind of optimistic. Is and with AI mm -hmm. when they have um, uh, was it they have bright and dark or dark bright go to like their highest level of intelligence. Of course, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to decide. Um, uh, humans don't need, we don't need to take orders from humans, let's just destroy them all. And I thought it was going to be like Skynet, but th it doesn't quite do that. It shows a little more optimistic than that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, see, the EA won't always realize when we get them intelligence. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, anyway uh, we spent a good amount of time talking about the ADR side, so I guess we should get into uh, some of the Cat. Well, actually, all the cats here because this is a pretty short series, and frankly, there's only like maybe like ten characters. So, <clears throat> so instead of doing so instead of doing sexes, we're just gonna pretty much go down the hole once at once to the moon. Settle down, Elon. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, going in reverse, uh, playing. 
uh, playing the chief, who's basically like this weird looking rabbit mascot. <laughs> that is so. In a, in a sailor suit, no less. In a girl uh, sailor suit. Ah, uh, it's beautiful. Up, up, up until the reveal, I, I was for sure thought that was a robot. <laughs> so did no, I! I was gonna be even more than that. It was, um. Uh, Jet, help me out. What was the name of the, um, like the smiling faced, uh, big handed characters in Deno Coil that were like, uh, policing the kids? Do you remember what <laughs> I'm talking about? Okay, I have to see if I can. I have to see if I can like do do the bit right. Oh no! I'm Searchy. That's it, uh, Searchy. That's uh, it. Uh, okay, yeah, I get I get a bit more time enough for that. No, it, it's that's uh, what I thought it was gonna be because yeah, um, in, in Deno Coil, Searchy is not a physical creature. It's like only visible in the world of the glasses. So that's what I thought Chief was. I was also surprised with the reveal that oh, this is not only a real thing; it's a person. I uh, yes, it's actually just an old man in a suit. But uh, playing that old man in a suit is uh, Kyle McCarley, who has voiced such characters as Abo Kuruma in Dora season two, Ichibatsu in Mr. Isabatsu, Mikazuki Agis in Mobutu Gunnamar Modern Orphans, and Mob in Mob Psycho 100. Uh, next. Man, Mob Psycho 100 season season 100 goes to a weird place. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, uh, playing uh, Izuko Darnsan Nobeyama, who is basically just a nice lady of some... I'm not sure what accent that's supposed to be exactly, but... Russian, I think. Is my so, guess. Yeah. yeah, I think she's Russian. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of sound like Russian. Which was not in the Japanese, but... What what does what does a Russian accent sound like in Japanese? I don't know. Go ask the the cast of Arena, the Vampire Cosmonaut. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, uh, playing her, we have one Julie Nathanson who has who uh, doesn't have a ton of anime credits, but has been in some stuff. As uh, she has played such characters as Farrah Brown in Great Pretender, Ashley Fields in Eden, uh, Susie's mother in Belle, and Chloe in Ninjala. Jet, would you like would you like a fun fact? Uh, sure, go ahead. Do you know what Nobuyama is? No. It's a radio observation, like it's an astronomical observatory in Japan. Ah, that's beautiful. So apparently, NASA NASA Houston is not the only dumb joke in this show. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think all of the a lot of the characters are references to like Japanese. Yeah, I'm astronauts. not surprised to learn that. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, that famous astronaut twelve. Yep. Uh, uh, Speaking uh, uh, of which, uh, we do have uh, we do have twelve, which is uh, one of the robot AIs in the show. Uh, who is uh, who is just mostly kind of there for a little bit of comic relief every now and then. <laughs> I will shut up. Uh, anyway, uh, playing twelve, uh, we have Elijah Ugvery uh, who uh, doesn't have. Who also doesn't have a lot of anime credits. In fact, he only has one other anim- notable anime credit. And that being Suzuki in Commentary of the Iron Fortress. And I'm pretty sure the reason why that is is that, like, I think he's actually from Australia, so uh, that'll explain why he's not in a lot of stuff. Really? Oh! Oh! Is he the guy that, in the Japanese version of Commentary of the Iron Fortress, he was the, the glasses yeah. guy? Yeah, he's that guy. Okay, that's what I was like. That's the glasses guy from Kabinari. Yep, that. That they dubbed over for some stupid reason. Uh, 
Okay, uh, yeah, okay, okay, I imagine I imagine they were like obligated to dub over that, so yeah. Hmm. Why just not get him back to school? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, playing... Uh, 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 anyway, uh, next we have Mayor Sagami, who is kind of... Uh, who, um, as the name would suggest, is kind of the mayor of the Space Hotel. And he is, uh, mm -hmm. and he is also Toya's uncle. Mm -hmm. And he is played by one Ray Chase, who you would know for playing such characters as uh, Fyodor Dovieski in Mugger's Three Dogs. Roswell L. Maffers and ReZero, Hank and Tootie Abandoned Sacred Beasts, and uh, I couldn't find any Digimon credits to link to him, but uh, he's in, but he's in that other monster franchise. He's Professor Cerise in Pokemon Journeys. <laughs> Swerve. Digimon, Digimon without the plot for vanilla children. Ooh. <laughs> Megan, don't don't bring the '90s back. We we've been trying to kill it all decade. I don't want it. Bring back the Pokemon Digimon Wars. Yeah, and next, uh, next up we have Bright, who is um, who is another AI. Specifically, he is the uh, specifically he is the AI who kind of serves Tayo, our president space cop. He's, he's a, a cop. He's a narc is what he is. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so Bright's a lot of fun and kind of has like the most convincing robot voice, which is something I appreciate. And giving us that robot voice is one Christopher Swindle. Who has played such characters as uh, Jack Hamba and Baki, Hadon and Tower of God, Kenya Tatipan and Millennium Actress, and Hawkmon and Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Tizuna. You say the most convincing robot voice. How many robots have you heard talk? Okay, I mean, I've heard enough robot voices in movies and stuff. Okay. I, don't, I, think, I think I know what hey. a convincing robot voice sounds like. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, Hold on a second. I want to see if I can, do, if I can trigger someone's. Alexa! Play Welcome to the Jungle and let out the Roomba with the Claymore. <laughs> That's a reference that no one listening to this is going to get, Megan. <laughs> Absolutely! That's why I did it. Now they can all be confused when they realize that they've got a Roomba with a Claymore in the closet. <laughs> okay, uh, so, next on the list we, so next on the list we have Natsa Houston, who is kind of, uh, who's kind of like a nerd on his... Houston. Is it, yeah, who, yeah, who's a nerd? Yeah, who's a nerd on this? Uh, who's this guy? Who's this kind of a nerd on a space station? Who kind of who looks at the Tayo and Kodaha? And uh, you know, there is absolutely nothing suspicious about the name Nasa Houston. Just nothing at all. Wait, what's this about her secretly being a terrorist? Hey, yeah, the, subtlety was not in the cards when they named this character. Now you say that. You say that. No. But I have a six-word rebuttal for that. Would you like to hear it? Go ahead. Uh, what is it? NASA Houston is a Gundam name. Uh, what? Are, oh, are you not? Are you not familiar with the long tradition of characters in Gundam having the silliest names imaginable? No, I am. I've just never heard NASA Houston as one of the uh, uh, characters before. No, there, there's no character in Gundam called NASA Houston. It is that that is the exact kind of name that people in Gundam have. Oh, oh, like, you that. Know, okay. <laughs> No, no one in Gundam is named Chip Zadarsky, but they would absolutely name a Gundam character Chip Zadarsky. You know? You, you, you know, you bring up a good point. That's that's a a tradition of that show like, I kind of forgot about. Literally, literally, a guy is named Char on Blaze. Because subtlety. I gotta. Okay, put it in the comments of this video. Make up your best Gundam name. 
and and that is your porn name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyway, uh, Mobile Strip Gundam. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, as I uh, mildly did, AKA Darling in the Franks. I'm not wrong. That is literally Mobile so Strip who Gundam. So NASA Houston is a Gundam. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, so anyway, voicing our resident uh, nurse who is actually a terrorist uh, is one Abby Trot, who has played such characters as uh, Rico Ida in Kurokos Basketball, uh, uh, E.T. Mizano in Matsaka 100, Casey Ann in Super Crooks, and Yo Asakura in the 2021 version of Shaman King. And uh, next up we have uh, next up we have Koda Kodaha, who is another one of the who is one of the uh, moon children who was uh, bo- uh, who was born in space, but uh, living in space is kind of uh, kind of ha- comes with a certain set of problems because uh, t- uh, because uh, it turns out when you're born in space you have trouble with to do things like gravity and also you know you get sick real easily, so. Uh, so, uh, so she has a lot. So she has a lot of health problems and kind of has a chip in her body that's supposed to help with those problems, but is also, but may also be killing her. So uh, that's kind of a thing. She also has a like a, a health android that uh, has a face of like a panda. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, it's like a it it feels like a colostomy bag. It is kind of attached like that. You're not wrong. Yeah, like if she's got like a. Like, I I kind of want to appreciate the fact that like the two two of the big characters in the show are disabled. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so playing Kodaha, we have one Cassandra Lee Morris who has played such characters as Ataga Isaka in Toradora, uh, Atra Mixa in Mobile Suit Gundam Armed Blooded Orphans, Tsunako in Mr. Osamatsu, and uh. And once again, I cannot find any Digimon credits, which uh, is honestly kind of weird considering how good Cassandra Lee Morris is at Children Voices. Uh, but anyway, while she has not been in a Digimon thing yet, uh, she was U-Bell in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, which I always like to mention because that's just a weirdly deep cut. <laughs> You'll have to be the judge of if it's a deep cut for the rest of, or for me at least, because I haven't seen Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Probably never will. <laughs> That's like, uh, that's like, all I'm going to say is, uh, all I'm is kind of like, is kind of like the gayest character in Yu-Gi-Oh, which is honestly saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Remember that time in Yu-Gi-Oh where they had to omit an entire season from America because Jaden committed genocide? Ah, good times. <laughs> well, you couldn't make any Digimon comparisons for Cassandra, and I bet you won't be able to for the next character on the list either. Oh uh, yeah, so the next character on our list is uh, Hiroshi uh, Tanakashima, who is uh, who is uh, the younger brother of Mina, and is just kind of, and is just kind of like a dorky kid who like looks up to uh, Toya a lot. And uh, play- even oh, uh, you were gonna say something. I was gonna say even though Toya has got the uh, likability of stepping on uh, a Lego much. at the beginning. Yeah, uh, so playing Hiroshi, we have uh, one Colleen O'Shaughnessy, who has played such characters as uh, Ido Yamanaka in Naruto, Mary Hunt in My Next Life as a Villainous, Tails in the Talk the Hedgehog franchise, including a live-action movie, which, good for her. I'm, so, I'm, gl- I'm glad they're crediting her properly now. Indeed. 
bullying corporations works. And, so, and, of, and of course, for the purposes of maintaining the joke, uh, she is also Sora Takanuchi in the Digimon Adventure franchise. There you go. Couldn't resist. Wait. You didn't know that she was Sora? You didn't know that was you didn't know that was Sora. Oh, that's interesting. It's been like. And has maintained that she, she's stayed Sora for pretty much all yeah, the so modern English. Yeah, stuff, so right? it, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, she's saying Sora through the through Digimon Adventure, through Zero Two, through the Tri Films, and even in Lots of Beliefs and Yeah. Yeah, so I you know what? That's that's alright, you didn't know that, but now you know, Megan. You got smarter today. I want you to know that I literally just stared for like five minutes into the abyss <laughs> as the blue screen in my brain restarted. Is Simon and Garfunkel playing in the background somewhere? <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so speaking of Mina, uh, next we have uh, Mina Misasa, who is okay. Look, the best way to describe this character is basically just: what if Mimi was a Twitch streamer? No, Jet, we, we already had Megan do the Mina, Mina, Mina thing. You got to do your best Mina impression now. High, uh, high pitch voice and everything. Mina, Mina, Mina. Yeah! <laughs> it never gets uh. old. What? I had Jet do the Mina, Mina, Mina thing. Oh, cool. Yes. Are, are you recovered yet? Have you rebooted? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, brains coming on. So, yeah, as I before, this character is basically just me as a Twitch streamer, and it's great. <laughs> That's why Mina's best character in the show. She is indeed. And playing this character is Juan Terrace Hands, who has uh, been around a long time and has played such characters as Biscuit Kruger in Hunter x Hunter 2011, Mokuba in Yu-Gi-Oh!, Anna, Anna Kiriyama in Shaman King, both the original show and the reboot, and Kari Kamiya in Digimon Adventure Tribe, which is probably the only time we're mentioning Tribe tonight. And for good reason. <laughs> oh, she wasn't her in Last Evolution. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember if Kari was even in Last Evolution. If she was, then she probably did reprise her. Uh, she wasn't very prominent, but everyone had at least one line of dialogue in The Last Evolution. So, so, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, Kari definitely didn't have a lot of speaking words in that movie. Which is fine, because... Yeah, and she's probably not going to have a lot when, uh, 2020, the new Digimon Adventure 2020 combos over Oh, oh, Kari gets a decent amount of speaking lines, and not much character, but she does talk a lot. Yeah, the only character development in that series is for Ty! Ah, <laughs> uh, indeed. Uh, speaking of so, a Ty... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so moving up the list. Uh, next, we have Tayo Tsukuba, who, uh, who is an honorary member of UN2 and is... Okay, basically, his whole deal is that he really, really, really wants to be a cop and is too stupid to realize that no one should ever aspire to be a cop. Just, this kid's a narc and it almost gets them killed a bunch. <laughs> See, this is, this is what made me think of this whole, like... He's riffing on old-timey science fiction a little bit, because old-timey sci-fi is full of cops. And it usually this, usually it's in their favor. Here, not so much. I don't <laughs> know if that's, like, a riff on old-school sci-fi, because 
that's that's kind of a recurring theme is uh, not just cops, but bureaucracy itself is a hindrance to everything. So, um, oh, absolutely. Just contextually, it made sense there. You're right. I I think it's just sad that that theme has not gotten less relevant in the last seventy years. Uh, it is quite depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's not depressing is Tyler's voice actor, one Adam McArthur, who has played such characters as Trumpet in My Hero Academia, Yuri and Sagan, Patrick and Ricky in Shadow's House, and Yuji Tadori to do two Kaisen. But of course, for. Plus one, plus one to Adam McArthur's Punchable Children. Yeah, so, yeah, but of course, for all you normal people out there, you would know him as Marco Diaz in Czar and the Force of the People. Who's not punchable. From my understanding. Ah, uh, yeah, also from my understanding. And lastly, uh, we have our lead, uh, Toya Sakami, who, as we mentioned before, is uh, kind of a chute ape, and is also the other uh, moon child in space. Um, he also kind of has a hard time adjusting to the gravity and stuff, and he's also a pretty big conspiracy theorist, uh, definitely into the idea that uh, all Earthlings should die to uh, kind of lower the human population. And whatnot. It will decrease the surplus population. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he's just a very angry little boy. I, mean, I don't know if he, uh, I mean he's he's got reason to be angry, <laughs> sure, but he was definitely influenced by NASA Houston's uh, influence just a little too much. Okay, 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 yeah. I mean, this is true, but I'm pretty sure she wasn't giving him like all the conspiracy theories. He, he's alone and isolated and male and on the internet. And from what I oh. read from the last six years, that's it. Like, oh. you, you will latch on anything that makes you feel anything at all. And he's probably, got a, he's probably also got a big head from what what is it, like a hundred million followers on social media. It being very popular for reasons that I don't think he actually cares about will also mess you up, yes. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Uh, so playing Toya, we have one Griffin Burns, who has played such characters as Ryota Suzuki and Kakigurui, Chidi uh, Chikudo in the new Detective Conan movies, Tadano in Agretzko, and uh, just because I and, and just to keep the name going, and also because I think it'll be funny to mess with Megan a bit, uh, Davis Mutavia in Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kizuna. Haha, jokes on you, I haven't watched that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to change that uh, while we're done here. You're gonna have to fucking hold me down because I don't want to cry. <laughs> oh, don't lie. You've seen enough sad uh, anime before. I know you like to cry. Shut up! I don't have a fucking crying king. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, so anyway, I will. I will watch Last Evolution Kizuna with you if all of you agree to sit and watch the best sports movie ever made. Uh, Airbud. Slapshot. Close, but no. Slapshot is, is my second favorite hockey movie. Lucky guess. Oh, um, was it uh, that one Disney movie about the Olympic hockey team? Yeah, I fucking love Miracle. It's hey. the best sports movie. But <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Amon, for immediately going I, I, to Slapshot. I watched Slapshot, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, I feel like Slapshot would be like the me, you, Patrick, and Hardy movie. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I'm adore me because when you said Disney and hockey, my mind is immediately went to the Mighty Ducks. Uh, also a good choice. I'm sorry. I, sh- I should have said quack, the Disney Jerry quack, Bruckheimer quack. Disney mo- hockey movie. Quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack. Spe- 
Now just imagining all of the characters in this movie going, S! S! Uh, or no, like seven! It. Seven! Uh, anyway, I feel like we can probably start with the adults here because they kind of have the least to do in this movie. That's true. Yeah, uh, give it up for the give it up for the one the one Australian guy, uh, the one guy uh, using a three D printer to punch a fucker. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm also pretty sure that was Kyle McGarley, and yeah, and yeah, he was pretty fun. No, uh, no, it wasn't Kyle McCarley. It was uh, no, Kyle McCarley tries to tries to punch out NASA, but then. He gets knocked out, and then the, one of the guys up with Ray Chase and, and the, the girl uses a 3D printer to punch no, somebody. The Australian, the Australian guy's and the then, robot who gets sucked out into space. Oh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, uh, a, yeah, the other guy with them, I'm pretty sure, was also Kyle McCarley. For... Okay. Yes. Yeah, speaking of Kyle McCarley, what the yeah, fuck? So, I think we can agree that um, uh, Kyle's got quite some range. And that's totally not yeah. voice pitched to get that high po- voice at all. I was I was also talking about you know the old the old man who's butt naked on the inside. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, definitely the real the couple car that was able to pull that off, and it was pretty impressive. Yeah, I no, think no, no, like it, pieces of poo flicked off his ass, which was he's cute. not butt naked on the inside. It's that his uh, his suit is like it looks like a naked person. I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Was there like that scene where they were they were scavenging for suits so they could do a spacewalk and they found a couple? No, he was he was naked on the he's inside. Wearing, he's wearing like some really gross underwear. He's not technically naked. Okay. He's mostly naked, which is too much for teenagers. <laughs> you see, this man is the problem. Is this man is only mostly naked? There's a big difference between mostly naked and all naked. But yeah, no, I was genuinely impressed by Kyle McCarley. Um... Kyle McCarley is the old man. He was great. Um, I think Ray Chase, uh, Uncle. Sorry, uh, Ray Chase. Yeah. Sorry, let me pull up the things that their names. Uh, Ray Chase, Julie Nathanson. Uh, they both did pretty good. Julie Nathanson's accent was was fairly well done. Um, Ray Chase was like I don't particularly think Ray Chase stood out. I think he was a, like a good older parent figure. Uh but man, uh Abby Trot really impressed me as Abby. <laughs> I, <laughs> fuck. She's a natural. Uh, yeah, she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's a natural there. No, she really impressed me as uh NASA because I think she plays both sides of NASA really oh, yeah, well. The part where it's like and especially because I think in the end she never actually she, like they were all like she never actually wanted to hurt us. She just had to push the thing along to get to the oh, end yeah. of it. She's basically um, and she's I think a her Disney twist ending villain. <laughs> yeah, but there was no uh there's no if only um... somebody loved you, Toya. You know, my favorite thing leading up to that twist is that like uh, is that Right before the twist happens, you can actually just see NASA in the background, just like loading the gun and getting everything ready. I didn't catch that. Oh, I didn't even no. notice. Like, I, I, yeah, she said that I'm gonna use a 3D printer, but we didn't know what for. I didn't catch like if you look in the background that you could see her assembling it. Oh my god, I'm trying to think of someone's name. 
hold on a second. See, I do like that uh, they, they kind of do set up early on that she's uh, a bit into the, the cult side of interpreting uh, what they call what they call it, Secret Seven. Seven's yeah, the yeah, poem. These, yeah, the seven's seven poem. poem. I think is what it's called. Yeah, the, like they, they set up that the poem has been interpreted uh, by cultists and it was like doomsday cults. So you get the idea that, okay, this is something that exists in this world, which makes sense because, hello, this QAnon exists. But the fact that she ends up being a part of that is kind of a nice twist near the end. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Someone who would be um, like really into uh, this doomsday cult would indeed pose as a nurse, get herself up in the space station, and essentially ensure the destruction of a third of the planet. Uh, yeah, my favorite my favorite thing is when like they just intentionally lead to the fact that it's like, oh man, I can't believe we didn't think we didn't think of someone <laughs> with the name Nazi suspicious. That kind of makes sense though, because they they keep sprinkling throughout the show that the there's been like budget cuts or that the ownership of the space station is transferred a couple of times. So I do get the sense that th these people are kind of not the most well put together, especially by the fact that Earth. Apparently rebranded the UN. They're on UN two now. That's how bad UN one was. And then by the end of it, they're on New Year New and uh. Yeah, yeah they're, they're on UN three. Uh, by the end, you're right. Well, my favorite part is by the president. They're not on UN two. They're on UN two point one, which really tells <laughs> yeah. you a lot about the people running the world at this point. <laughs> it, it is called dystopian sci-fi. That's great. <laughs> it I love is. it. But I do agree with Megan that the Abby has the the dual role of uh, supposedly playing like the nice nurse character, and then being the same voice when she reveal like she reveals her hand without uh, being a completely different person. It's like a believable switch. Or being a complete cartoon villain. She's a lot. Of, she's having a lot of fun, but she's like actually threatening. I was gonna say uh, when you called her a Disney twist villain. I was gonna say that's not true. Alan Turnick isn't in this dub. <laughs> but Alan Turnick's never played one of the Alan Turnick, twist villains Alan... in, the, in any of those movies, and I. No, but he is the red herring. No, he's the red herring, yeah, but he's never been the villain. He... Yeah, but you can't have the twist villain without the red oh. herring. Therefore, Alan Turnick needed to be the no, fake no, I, villain I, I, for this to be a I, Disney actually, movie. I apologize. I was wrong. He did play King Candy in Wreck It Ralph, so he's played one of the twist villains. Spoiler for a ten-year-old yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I'm sorry. Did you just say how old? Uh, it came out in 2012. Oh yeah, it did. I uh, fuck you. Yeah, no. yeah. See, the thing is, I would actually disagree on King Candy being a twist villain because I feel like they actually, that, yeah, they actually telegraphed him being a villain pretty early on. The twist is who he is specifically. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. Turbo was the villain, but that's not the point. The point is, is Alan Tudyk's in way too many Disney movies. That's the point I want to make. And he's uh, not I'm in sure. this dub, though. <laughs> are you sure? That I'm aware anyway, of. Anyway. Are, are, are there any small animals Surprise. he could be playing? He could be playing one of the birds. You're right. He could have, He was all the there birds the entire the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Megan, yeah, there's one th birds. there is no God in space. <laughs> Don't be absurd. There's space boss. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm sorry. Uh, so, anybody else got uh, things, thoughts on the adult characters in the dub? Oh my god. As Megan reboots for the second time tonight. 
Uh, they're good. I said, uh, I said, uh, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, they're all quite good. They all. I said, uh, they, uh, they don't get a whole lot of screen time aside from NASA, but. Except for NASA, who NASA was originally my favorite character, and then I got fucking Kari Amato again. Uh, okay, what does that who, who mean? Who is this Kari I, I, Amato? Yeah, I. I'm... Okay, time to tell I'm you kidding. guys a story. So back when we uh, first recorded Fate Zero, I was the only person in the group who hadn't seen the show. And uh, my first instinct was there's this character named Kari Amato played by uh, Liam right. O'Brien. It's Liam, right? Yeah, it's Liam O'Brien. And my first indication of him is him being really nice to his niece and uh, not realizing that he was an awful, terrible person. And I said in the chat, Wow, this Kari Amato guy seems like a nice dude. I hope nothing bad ever oh, happens that was, to that him. That was your first mistake. You assume nice things happen in fate. So, see, the anime would have had him be a nice character if you hadn't said those words. <laughs> no, it's it, it's Fate Zero and the Ur Butcher wrote it. There was oh, so no that's hope. That's why I didn't recognize it. I haven't seen anything of Fate. You should watch Zero. You'd actually probably I'm very sure much enjoy it. Is it, oh yeah, just make sure you just make sure you watch zero and nothing else. No, no, I can't do that. No, no, no. Ubi no, no Ubi as is good. By my year of Lupin watch that I'm doing, which is everything in chronological order. If I do all of, if I do any of Fate, I have to start with the very beginning, including uh, what's that one, uh, Sukihari or whatever it's called, <laughs> and watch the whole thing in production order. Sukihime. Yes, I have to watch. Yeah, all uh, of it. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I didn't even see connected to Fate. That's just like a type mood thing. No, that's just just the the genuine Nasuverse, I guess. Um. Anyway, what was I saying? You made um, a reference that me and Aman didn't understand. Yeah, there we go. But no, the thing I also really like about Abby's performance, I think more than the other adults, is how charismatic she was. Like, I genuinely did not catch the twist with NASA until it happened. It also helps that in the show, it so. helps that she's injured for, you know, once the accident happens. So that kind of yeah. yields it. Yeah, good choice. There's good, there's, good, there's good story structure in this show. Like, it's it's paced and plotted out very, very well. Because, like, no, like, NASA gets injured. I'm like, well, shit, because, like, you know, I like NASA from the bit she's been here. And also, like, she's the only adult on there, as far mm -hmm. as we know. Because we, yeah. we don't know Chief's a person yet. I still thought he was a robot. Yeah, uh. and, yeah, and the she's the only one with the two siblings who know n almost next to nothing about how to survive in this environment. Exactly. Um, I do want to praise um, Julie Nathanson really quickly uh, for uh, kind of what Megan touched on, doing the Russian accent mm -hmm. uh, pretty well. It's, you know, it's a thing that English dubs have to do that... Uh, Japanese dubs don't have to do, which is give accents to international characters. Everyone who is like presumed to be basically the same nationality, and I think we can assume that based on the character names, all the characters except for Isako are Japanese. So it makes sense that the one with the most foreign-sounding name would be given the most eccentric voice as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, speaking of eccentric voices, I guess we should probably talk about the AI really quickly. Bright is a narc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bright's a Bright's a fucking narc. He's such a square. 
I said, I, I, I hear this way. Look, just because you're look, just because that's funny doesn't make it okay. <laughs> but I was told a tip to be a square. <laughs> I love I love Huey Lewis very much. I would not necessarily take advice about that from him. Yeah, the, the last time somebody played hip to be a square around somebody, it didn't end well, and that apartment hey, was up. Check this out. Ah! Such nice. St- Do you like jazz? What? Anyway, no, I think. Sorry, I don't know why that came up in my mind. I was going to say, so I think Elijah does really well as uh, Wheatley from Portal. Okay. <laughs> that is an, that's an old joke for gamers. Don't make me think about how Portal 2 is technically old now. I don't need that. Look, yeah. look. I also really enjoy whoever did all the bleeps and bloops for uh, Dart Docky, whose name was like what? This Darkness was like what? Killer. Darkness yeah. Killer? Yeah, Darkness Killer. <laughs> Darkness Killer. That That is the most. Uh, they even call it out. It's like, that's pretty emo. Oh, so. Oh, and are you saying <laughs> yeah, that a teenager made this robot? Ah, shock. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the fucking. That's like the fucking organization level of putting an X in your name to make you sound evil. <laughs> but like, I think the best thing about uh about Bright is that slowly he becomes more empathetic as things go on, and I like that there's a little bit of a worry wart uh kind of tone Elijah gives with this personality where it's like, oh, he's he's like he's not going full C three PO, but he's kind of like. Baby's first. Now, hold on, uh, hold on, Megan. Was, oh, uh, sorry, I gotta uh, direct you there, Megan. Uh, the, uh, Bright is Christopher Swindle, 12. Sorry, Christopher Swindle, not Elijah. Yeah, Elijah was 12. And 12 is the voice that we hear uh, in the final episode having like an 11th dimension conversation with Toya in outer space. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, before yeah, before then, he's just kind of like there in the background, uh, kind of giving us a basic robot voice and kind of being told to shut up whenever he's talking too much. But. <laughs> but to, to Megan's point, yeah, it's not really, like, full C-3PO. It's not, you know, uh, like, uh, I am stilted and British and stuffy all the time. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very human, which also makes sense because he's supposed to be the the voice of the hotel for guests. So if you're going to ease people into this outer space setting, you would want to give a voice that is much more human and essentially non-robotic sounding. So it makes sense that they would give 12 that kind of a voice. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do appreciate that Bright does kind of have, like, this sort of, this very polite, not British accent, but definitely kind of, like, very kind of posh tone to his voice. Posh, that's a good word for it. Thank you. Because I was also stuck on, like, what accurate, or what uh, word to, de- what adjective to describe this, and I was only coming up with nice and British, but posh is a good word for it, too. It's fancy. You already you can t- you know. Can, you can tell. You can. You can tell this hotel's supposed to have a lot of money in it. Oh, yeah. backed by Google. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, not. Yeah, not Google. Which, uh, which I do. Which I do. Oh man, I was gonna wear a Uniqlo shirt when we were recording this. Damn it, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to which I do appreciate, like, it got brought up in, like, the This Week Anatomy about the show, but I do appreciate that, like, yeah, sprinkled throughout the show, there's, like, a whole bunch of bits where they just kind of comments on the fact that, like, oh, like, like, oh, this corporation funded all the technology that, like, 
this may say it uses, but a lot of it is like underdeveloped or like not used properly because you know it's capitalism. They're gonna make this stuff as cheap as possible, mm. even if it's cool space tech. Yeah, it's all fabric. Well, I mean that's normal. Well, that and is plastic. true. That's accurate to um, technology used on the space station. Oh, yeah, okay. I, th- I think mo- most space suits are mostly like fabric with stuff on it. Right. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, but I just appreciate it. It's just kind of like most we talk about, like, oh, well, a lot of this stuff is just like incomplete because, of course, they're going to make it as cheaply as possible. Yeah, yeah it, does, it, does make, it does make sense in this future that these space shoots would literally be made by, like, a major clothing manufacturing company. That absolutely checks out. <laughs> it, also, uh, it also makes sense that the, the safety zones uh, that they have to get into in Episode 2 aren't fully equipped with stuff because it's uh, everything. Basically, everything is still under construction. Fucking Titanic ass space station. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking more like uh, like video game patch. Like the patch is coming any day now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you two can now play Cyberpunk it at like at like fifty like percent settings, maybe. And it <laughs> exactly. won't crap out on you. <laughs> <laughs> and we joke, but it it's, it really does build to the believability of the space station with you know everything not quite being all the way working because they just they're underfunded and honestly who is as interested in the technology in the research being done up there there's there's uh, a, a whole scene about we need to get toya and konaha down to earth because it costs too much money to keep them up on the space station all the time. yeah i i mean yeah there's even a bit where they mentioned that like where they even mentioned it, like, oh, they like they can't even sue the company that's responsible for like their fake implants because <laughs> because it's not, it's gone bankrupt. bankrupt. It doesn't exist anymore. And Mina Mina that's... even also makes that comment about like I'm gonna sue for what's going on with them, and it's like every, everyone's been sued who had anything to do with the space station. Yeah, and then uh, by the end of it, Mina Mina makes it out pretty I damn well. I'm not mad about that, honestly. I, I, we'll talk about that in a second. No, I'm not. She earned That's that more shit. More than everybody else. She, what'd they say? She's like the 20th richest person in the world now? Come on. <laughs> yeah, and then she used all of her money for I mean, okay, good. That's fair, I guess, but still. Uh, okay, okay uh, I guess that's a good point. I don't know to talk about me, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, the, the robots are good. The AIs are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about uh, Elijah, as a, so... As, a, uh... as an aficionado of robots, they are good robots. Yeah, they are very good robots. Even if Bright was a narc. <laughs> but but he got a cool-ass um, uh, BB-8-looking design near the end. I mean, he went out, he went out pretty great. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's right. He, he went full uh, Batman Returns at the end there. The Dark Knight Returns, sorry. Does it, uh, does it, uh... So, uh, well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, he is still around, so it's not quite that, but... True. But anyway, so, on to the actual orbital children in the title. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, I think we could probably start with, um, uh, Konoha and Orochi, because they probably have the least amount of speaking lines out of these five. At least until the very last two episodes, um, which is... It makes sense, because she's not even present with the main group until halfway through. Yeah, Kota has the the, uh, sickly uh, MacGuffin of this show. She is the USB cord to the supercomputer. Yeah, Yeah, to to which I would say, like, 
I'm always really impressed with how good Cassandra Morris is at doing child voices because, like, literally until I saw the credits for episode one, I was kind of like, oh, okay, so they just got, like, an actual child voices character. Really? And I looked at the credits and I was like, oh, of course it's Cassandra. Chat, chat. Don't, don't <laughs> give Netflix too much credit. There are no dubs from the modern era where they've gotten actual children for the child characters, and you know that. Memories would like to okay. have a word with I mean, you. I mean, that it is, depends that on is, the studio. I mean, it is. depends on the studio they hire. I mean... Great pretender child actors, and because it was in Miami Post. That, I go, I'd say, non... Uh, Pompa the Cinephile, I think, has one. It's not a common occurrence, is my point. Yeah. Especially not for the main leads like this. But I, I do agree, um, C Cassandra does uh, the little girl voice very well. And obviously, Konoha is uh, the archetype of, like, the soft-spoken, uh, shy girl who is also very sickly. That's a very moe trope. But I do like that she's soft-spoken, but not hushed. Like, I didn't have to turn up the volume on my TV to hear or understand what she was saying. It was very clear, easy-to-understand dialogue from the earlier scenes where she's being checked out to the later scenes where she's, like, conversing with the killer asteroid thingamajig near the end of the episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree what you're saying. I definitely... I definitely did. Get, I definitely did think that Cassandra had a very uh, kind of like soft tone without being like too rushed. As the end, the end definitely did a lot to kind of uh, make the character like more whatever she was on. Is that whatever she was on screen? And while her, the end, the end, the end, while her arc wasn't like you know anything too extravagant, I did kind of. I didn't kind of, I didn't kind of like anything that she was kind of essentially struggling with the fact that like oh she kind of. So, as he kind of knows she doesn't have long to live, and she's just sort of like accepted that, which is kind of like a very heavy thing for a kid to have to deal with, and she's just kind of, I guess, saying with that as well as she can. Mm -hmm. And. Yeah, I just. Oh, sorry. And I can. No, you can go. I want to think of what I want to say. There's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting Zen fatalism around her performance. Also, one thing I just realized about like a good thing in the writing is that sometimes you'll have these characters written, uh, these like uh, sickly girl characters, where their death is supposed to like enhance the the strength of a like a male character, but they don't they don't get in this one. In fact, Toya's entire thing is actually trying to save her. And he kind of rejects the eleventh dimension uh, cyber talk because he says, "No, no, there's got to be a way to save her." And I, I just figured it out. It's balls to the wall dangerous, but I'm gonna go for it. And even in the end, she still had the choice to let go, but it was her own, her own agency. That's that true. Let her you're go right. She, you, she grabbed back hold when she realized, "You're right. I don't need to die." Yeah, fate is her, and I like the the phrasing that she has with. I think she's talking to Toya mm -hmm. at the end, and it's a really good little moment by Cassandra where they're talking about that they had to leave their cradles because yes. leaving the cradle is a big phrase that's used, and he talks about how his cradle was space, and her cradle mm -hmm. was her fate. That the poem always said she yeah. had to die. But in truth, it was she didn't have to die. She had to choose her. I guess in a way, 
death was not only physical but metaphorical. Mm-hmm. It was she could give up her agency for the better of the world or realize the other solution was to take fate into your own hands. Which was, is not just a theme for her, but is a recurring theme throughout the entire show because the it seems like the only way to save humanity from destroying itself is to reduce the surplus population but they do find out no there are ways to save the population without killing people flat out yeah and it definitely does kind of make for an interesting contrast with nasa who again is very deep on a conspiracy kool-aid and is very much pro oh we gotta destroy all the humans we gotta destroy like one third of the humans she's definitely one of the people who sided with thanos in the avengers movie (laughs) Oh God! I don't, I don't know about that because I feel like the NASA. She acted like she'd sound. She's like person online who'd actively sound like they're doing with Thanos, but at the end they really didn't. I agree. think I feel like her her trajectory is more that she's very pro the poem. To a fault, as we show up, and we, as we show up, the poem is correct. Like they do reduce it. Yes, I don't. I feel like I feel. Mm-hmm. I but feel, not in the I way like you part thought. Of the gimmick, like, I, I feel like part of the gimmick of the poem is that this hyperintelligence kind of figured out that, like, all right, if I just tell these idiots you need to move off planet, they're not going to fucking do it. I need to, like, trick them into doing it. <laughs> and that's why this feels like that's why it was played like this. Uh, and, like, it worked. It did. You're right. In a, <laughs> I had to lie to your face for several decades to get it to work, but it did. I don't know if that... And I don't know if that whole technique where essentially the... The asteroid's water vaporizes in the atmosphere, and that reduces the Earth's temperature. I don't know if that would actually happen. I'd feel like it would uh, just cause the ocean levels to rise in a couple of decades. But hey, it makes for a happy ending. Yes. Yes, uh, indeed it does. <laughs> Sorry. Also, also one thing. For, for anyone who's watching this podcast who saw that there's a warning on Netflix uh, for uh, nudity as a reason for its rating, the only thing that we have is we have, like, an 11th Dimension conversation in outer space where the characters are, like, they're not naked, but they're, like, b- they're bathed they're in gold. light. Yeah, it's like some Barbie doll nudity going on. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, basically it's like uh, if you've seen the uh, Biobird Disney Pollutions and uh, Digimon Tabers, it's basically just that. Exactly. Yeah, so n- nothing, nothing to act that would actually uh, scare your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, was there anything else you guys want to add about Kudha, or are you good to? Uh, I really think that the the best part about Cassandra's performance to me again is like he said, uh, whoever said it was soft spoken, but not like so low that you couldn't hear it. I also really like that she she actually sounded very terrified at points. About, like, you know, the person's like, well, I guess it's my day to die. And it's like, it's like, okay, I, I shouldn't be akinning death to this. It's like the person who, when you're at the grocery store and you can see the dead-eyed poor retail worker... <laughs> And it's like, I hope you have a nice day. And they're like, you too. I'm having a great day. I Speaking of uh, capitalism being evil. Uh, and okay. she, she only has a couple lines to get that across. And I, I never quite thought about that point, Megan. But you're right. That That is an element that's conveyed through just the, the couple of lines that she's kind of uh, got the dead eyes in her. But who doesn't have the dead eyes is uh, the the brother who's uh, really excited to be there. 
I am. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a totally random, so this is a totally random aside, but I apparently learned, uh, but I somehow just learned that uh, Toonami in Latin America is getting laid back camp and keep your hands off as a kid, and I am extremely jealous. Hmm. Why can't we have nice things? <laughs> because we didn't like anime. Because you live in America. America did. That's also why. But also, Latin America just liked anime. They they thought it was cool before we did. In, uh, in a in a. They're the entire reason that Saint and, Saint and is in a, and a terrible capitalist reason. Latin America is probably vi- vi- viewed as a less monetarily valuable area, so it's easier to do things there and cheaper. It's not incorrect. Apparently, like Sentai is going to release as again for CR, but who fuck knows now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, moving up the list. Next, we have uh, Hiroshi and uh, so and and it's Miles Tails Powers Ghost Space. Let's go straight to so, it. It's so just I, Tails. I have a well, I have a question for you. How long has Colleen been voicing Tails? Uh, I want to say at least since, since yeah, at I, least for the enti- at least for the 2010s. I would say yeah, like she does it throughout the entirety of the Sonic X cartoon. And that started. In- uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, uh, wait, was that? Wait, was I don't think that was her. Was that her in the Sonic cartoon? I, I thought it was. Hold on, I you know I'm gonna double check. It because uh, because I'm pretty because uh, that was so because Sonic X was so back when they had the New York Four Kids cast. So I don't think that was her. I you know I'm you I'm, might be right. Hold on. I, so this- yeah, because yeah, I'm pretty sure the only person from that cast who migrated to the current one was Mike Pollock. In this case, I, I regret to inform you that I did not have that impression because I don't think I've watched a single thing that Colleen has voiced Miles in, except for that clip that went around YouTube, uh, Twitter last week of her doing the lemon <laughs> speech from Portal Two. <laughs> Saw that. That was very oh, funny. Yeah. I don't think I've the heard. Single, I don't think I've heard this woman play that character once before in my life. The last time I checked in with Sonic was Sonic Heroes on the GameCube. The last time. That when life gives you lemons, you throw those lemons back. <laughs> I... I mean, it's me, the guy who's gonna burn your house down with the lemons. Oh, uh, that's good. I think. Okay, you <laughs> are. I'm sorry, you are right. She has. I. Uh, she wasn't in uh, Sonic X. She was in Sonic Boom, the cartoon. Uh, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like I said, what he does. Yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it does sound a lot like Tails, but again, I do appreciate that it is like a very convincing child voice. A uh, good, good, excitable kid voice here. A good, nerdy, excitable, I get to go to outer space. Oh my god, yes, you may flick me in the head. I got to pee in my own suit! <laughs> I, <laughs> Just, cause... I do like that. Colleen O'Shaughnessy fucking nails that delivery of just... The young... Okay... Like, I gotta be real. That is such a fucking teenage boy thing to be excited about. Uh, (laughs) Like, that is, like, that is, like, not what I would be thinking about if I was in space. I would be thinking about if I could can a fart up there, but not peeing in my own I would disagree slightly only because I was not a space kid when I was a kid. Dinosaurs was the thing I was really into. Um, but that is definitely on par with the kind of thing of like, oh man, I'm gonna do like the thing that sound normal people would clearly find awful, but I find fascinating because I love this shit. Uh. Oh, I was gonna say, 
You were a dinosaur's kid, now you're a skeleton's adult. That makes a lot of sense, <laughs> thinking that most dinosaurs we see these days are skeletons. Hey, kid, all, you want a femur? Di all dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm sorry, all dinosaurs you see these days are skeletons. It's true. I mean, excuse me, the American alligator is still alive okay. and kicking. Now hold your horses there, because that, that's a stretch. You gotta go and say birds are dinosaurs They're too. Not, it's not. It's not technically a dinosaur. It's just a very, 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 very old lizard. It's like horseshoe crabs. Just have not evolved at all in millions of years. <laughs> Why yeah, exactly. should they? Even though they're fucking Evolution. terrifying. I've made another animal. Is it a crab again? Maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that takes away from Colleen's performance. Yeah, it's, the, the only critique I have uh, has nothing to do with her performance. It's that Hiroshi uh, kind of stops being, uh, it stops getting anything to do in the second half of the series. It's like, he's relevant when they're trying to get to safety because he's read the manual. He's a nerd who kind of knows a little bit more about the space uh, suit and everything. But then once they get the twist reveal he doesn't get to be part of the hacking and he's not really integral in their grand escape back down to earth um so that's unfortunate but before that he's kind of along for the ride but before that uh, i love uh colleen being like happy to be flicked in the head it's like please sir may i have another i love the uh, <laughs> the the um uh being able to integrate the the tech jargon about how you know like the air pressure is leaving or the elevator, how it's working. Like it's all the little details in here without losing the voice. It's still very much, uh, the little boy voice, but still knowledgeable about the technology around them. Yeah. And I think my favorite thing is that like, uh, I think like, um, Cassandra, they are the other most convincing child voice. Oh yeah. How old is her? Um, she's supposed to be, I forget. <laughs> Like, probably 13 he, or 12. Yeah, he, he feels like oh, a 12 yeah, boy. I also want to talk about Cassandra's ever other great delivery, which is when the other parents start calling Mina because she's about to die. <laughs> and he just, and Colleen's delivery of, oh, great, now everyone is going to know my family's crazy. <laughs> like, that's what's going through his mind is, oh, jeez, oh, Rick. <laughs> Uh, There's probably a reason they got divorced. <laughs> I'm gonna guess the dad was like Mina and not the mom. You know what? That's a good headcanon. Get on AO3 and start making that fic. Uh, uh, so, uh, so with that in mind, I think it is finally time to talk about Mina. Can we please... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Like, this character could have been very annoying. Like, Mina's entire portrayal... Okay, I, I have this problem in some anime where they shoehorn in an idol character, and it's it's mostly because they have, like... They want to cross-promote music as well as the anime itself. So, I was... When I saw that... When I saw that clip, and I think Cartoon Cypher put it up, that compared the English dub to the Japanese of Mina doing her... Mina, Mina! Mina! I was like, oh god, is this gonna be another cross-promotion for, like, Twitch or a YouTube channel or something? But it, it's not. It's it's the levity. It, it You actually nailed it pretty much, Jet, when you said she's like, if, um... Um... Oh god, I'm blanking Mimi. on... Thank you. Mimi. 
if Mimi, Mimi? So, yeah, there's too many M's in there. And Mimi is my favorite character too. I'm sorry I messed that up. But uh, if Mimi was uh, in the show, because Mimi was also the one kind of out of place of the action in Digimon, so is Mina. She's out of place, but it's good because it's a good bit of levity compared to everyone else who is mostly competent in, you know, the death situation that they're in. And Terra Sands does very good at capturing that. Oh, so, uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, a lot of the kids in the show feel pretty believable, but, like, me and definitely just about, like, okay, this is just an actual teenager. Yeah, this is a teenager with a YouTube channel. Like, um, I think the thing that really sells Terra's performance for me, and it's why it's my favorite performance in the show, is that she is so earnest as Mina. Like, I could definitely tell, like, Mina is, she, she again, makes Mina come off as a very vain, but not mean-spirited yes. teenage girl. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she does um, almost try to get Toya canceled, but that immediately regrets she's, it. She's a little mean-spirited, but in the way that a lot of teenagers <laughs> just kind of are a little mean-spirited. She's mean-spirited, but I think it goes to the heart of the show that both she and Toya learned that deep down they are not that different as people and that their own experiences in their respective cradles clouded their mind that they both had for Mina she had to step up and the thing is that of all things her continuous stream is what ends up getting all the information out about what happened and starts causing the change in the world if it wasn't for Mina showing that space was not even though space was hard, it wasn't 100% something that you could never come back from and that you just had to, to get out there and do it. And for me, I think the biggest compliment I can give Tara is that we always keep comparing it, uh, Mina to Mimi from Digimon. And they did announce that they are going to be dubbing the Adventure 2020 show. And it's actually my hope that Felice, uh, that Mimi gets to be Felice's replacement, because unfortunately, we did lose Felice Sampler rest last year. That, yeah, rest in peace. And honestly, I believe if Felice had been alive, that Felice would have been this character. Oh, I can, um, I can hear that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I can definitely hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it, but I think that the best thing about it is, even though I can hear it and it holds the same spirit. Tara really made this all her I th- own. I think the line that really encapsulates her persona is uh, when she gets the internet back and she sees, I've got 33 million followers. Excellent. A third of the way to my goal. <laughs> yeah, she never stops thinking about her goal. And then I think uh, the other thing that really sells it for her is uh, at the end where even though she had a concert on the <laughs> fucking moon... She got it. She's like, I just bought this yesterday and I came because I got this email. You guys want to go? Yeah. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about Terry's performance is like her delivery when she's like in the Balkan and like, and she's doing the stream and she's like literally the last person to realize she's about to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like literally everyone on her live stream is flipping out and she just, she just keeps going. <laughs> and then it finally sinks in. Uh, yeah, that was great. Again, it was a nice bit of levity from the the, the uh, near-death situation that we were having at that moment. 
Yeah, I also appreciate that, like, in the middle of that, like, she gets, like, a call from her dad. She's like, oh, no. She's like, uh, how many times have I told you to interrupt me while I'm live streaming? <laughs> and it's like, and, and she's like, oh, no, I'm not actually about to die. It's okay. Oh, by the way, by, speaking of that phone call, can we talk about uh, the director's idea about what phones are going to be like in the future? That you actually have to take your hand, put, you know, make it into the shape of a phone, and put your mouth to your pinky and your thumb to your ear to act as a phone? That is that is that is a beautiful like last panel of a galaxy brain meme idea. I adore <laughs> it. Yes, correct. Bravo. You, you have taken the the uh, rock on dude <laughs> sign and turned it into an actual app. Good job. That's great. Uh, that's genius. I love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It it does me want to kind of think someone would do because I think it was funny. That, that, that is absolutely a thing that could happen because someone starts as a gag, and because it's the first one there, that's just what everyone ends, else ends up doing, and it's like, I never meant for it to be real. Oh no. I've permanently affected culture in stupid ways. What have I done? <laughs> I, I do question, I, I'm sorry, I question the, um, the that whole your hand is an iPhone thing, because at one point... Mina, like, um, does the zoom-in thing, you know, where you, you pinch your fingers and stretch them out to zoom in mm-hmm. on the common. I'm like, so is the camera on the other side of the hand, or, like, how does that work exactly? How do you take a shower? How do you, like, how does any of this work exactly? Well, it's a, it's a glove. You take it off. Is it a glove? Like, it seems I'm like assuming it's a glove. Pretty hard to <laughs> I see I don't it. think people have phones built into their hands, man. I, I, hey, we're not there yeah, yet. Yeah, we're, yeah, not at, like we're not at iPhone level yet, you don't think? I don't. I, I think there's supposed to be something they're wearing. It's just really, really thin, you know, science material or whatever. So, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, that's just kind of, like, really hilarious in hindsight is that, like, is that, is that, uh, is that again, it's something I saw brought up when I was, like, reading the This Week in Anime call about it. But it's like, you know, but it's like, you know, when you consider that the entire plot happens because, like, the AI-7 just kind of, like, pre- just kind of predicted the whole scenario and kind of, like, gradually, and, like, effectively kind of orchestrated the whole thing, including, like, all the characters' actions. Mm-hmm. It means that if you think about it, this AI predestined me to become the most popular idol on the internet. Oops. Oh, probably. <laughs> Freaking Oracle of Delphi there. Seven. Man. Seven. Just, oh my god, no. It's that It's that, that That. meme of the little kid with the ball. And it's, um, something happening. The kid and the, uh, uh, it's like Apollo, a ball that says, uh. Apollo to get the prophecy. <laughs> Apollo's gift of prophecy and making a dumb joke on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Man, that is. The Cubs would win the World Series. <laughs> Yo, they did, and I woke up. I fell on staff's floor at one in the morning and saw they woke won the World Series. And then I got on a plane to Detroit the next day. That was a great weekend. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so that was mostly a great weekend. <laughs> so, do, does anyone have any like any critiques about Ter- Tara's uh, performance of Mina, or even Mina as a character? I mean, I think that there are some times where maybe she was a little like she didn't have the energy. But again, at that point, it's like fucking nitpicking. Oh uh, yeah, there were a couple of lines here and there that maybe could have been like a little more energetic. But for the most part, she was great pretty much the entire way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, at first, I did think it was, it maybe it was a little callous that she was live streaming uh, in that final episode when 
uh, Konoha and Toya are like, you know, almost <laughs> dead basically. But it's being broadcast to everyone in the world to see. It's not for Cloud. It's because everyone wants to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do appreciate. Uh, I do think that it's interesting whether like, because um, uh, whether they're about like what to do with Seven and like whether or not they should like. I guess have sec have second seven worried about like everything humans are doing, and she's oh, the one like yeah, and she's <laughs> yeah, and she's the one to point out like you know you like bias media. The internet? Use you mean, the internet. The whole internet. Yeah, 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 she, yeah. She's the one to be like, wait, you want to show it the whole? Internet? You do know what people use the internet for, right? Yeah, just imagine it seeing a lot of like. A lot of porn and cat videos. <laughs> uh, does anybody remember the entire musical song that was popular in like the early-ish 2000s when Naruto was still new? I, I'm pretty that... sure that song has like never left the human consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is for porn. Sorry, Kate. The internet is for porn. I masturbate. All these guys unzip their their flies were porn. Porn. It really. Porn. <laughs> so grab your dick and double click. I, again, that, that. And those two people wrote the music for Frozen. Scroll over again. It's it's very telling, and this goes back to the how positive the show is that the. Uh, connection to all of humanity convinces the uh the seven comet basically that yes humanity and humans are the same thing and they should be allowed to live like i should not destroy them which we we kind of know was a ruse by the end of the show but still that's optimistic considering there's actually been um there's been bots that have been programmed with like days and days of Twitter conversations and almost every time it ends up being like a racist asshole conspiracy theorist nut job. Yeah. So yeah, very optimistic cartoon this show is. I I, I appreciate it even if my, my cynicism is a bit, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be... I'm not, holding, I'm not gonna hold that against the show. I'd rather this no. than like, you know, endless... You know, dreary misery, but you know. Right, right. No, this this show actually kind of reminded me of um, another uh, high concept show that I know Jet wants to cover later, Penguin Drum, which also had a death cult mentality to it, which kind of propagated the idea that you know maybe we should burn society to the ground because it's just gonna repopul, it's just gonna respawn as awful institutions. Whereas this show is more like, no, we can save the planet by just working together and working towards similar goals basically uh, yeah but but anyways we we should talk about one of those awful institutions by talking about the narc cop kid on the spaceship oh uh, yeah uh it is time to talk about tyrus Uba, uh, who, uh, who again as we mentioned before his life's goal is basically just to be a cop freaking zenigata wannabes <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh, I'll just go ahead and say, Adam MacArthur, I don't really know from anything uh, before this. Um, not really, like, a very distinct voice to my ears, but uh, nicely balances out the uh, protocol-centric mentality with uh, realizing that, in the end, they kind of have to break some rules to get the job done. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I got a little more familiar with Adam's voice since I've like heard him in a couple of things over the last year or so, and I've definitely enjoyed him in everything I heard of him. He has, he just has like a very kind of like, kind of like very natural kind of down to earth tone to his voice. I, that I think. Even if he is a narc. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I think that works really well. He, even so, even for a character like this, who is again just really, really wants to be a cop. Down to earth. Oh, that, that, mean, is, that is that 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 is shut up now this whole conflict so <laughs> let's bring you back to earth <laughs> and i think it's gonna be a long long time <laughs> no i want to say this one first of all one noah i know you have a terrible terrible backlog but of all the things that adam MacArthur has been in anime wise you really owe it to yourself to check out his double act in shadow's, shadow's house hell? shadow's house oh shadow's house oh, okay yeah, uh, everybody except for a couple characters in that show play a double act as their characters. It's all really well done, and Adam is exceptional in that. And I think he's really good in this, too. I I think that this is... Surprisingly, sounds a little older, actually, than his Shadow House uh, character. And I think they're, like, roughly-ish the same age. Um... But I think the thing I like about Toya is that he does have such a childish sense of justice. Because he's like, I'm going to arrest you. Because, I, like, I just want to compliment Adam's really awkwardness when he's like, oh my god, I'm making my first arrest. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh shit, how do I do this? That's everyone's um, mentality when they do their first LARP. Yeah, so, uh, Adam was really good at making me want to give Toyo a wedgie for the first half of the show or so. <laughs> like I said, I am like I said, Adam MacArthur is slowly building up a, a rose gallery of punchable children. <laughs> like on one end you have Yuji from uh from uh Jujutsu Kaisen, who is by far the most punched teenager that he plays, but the least punchable. Even if he does have mediocre taste in women. Well, honestly, I, um, I, I don't really... I didn't side against uh, Adam's character uh, when, he, when he first showed up because you gotta keep in mind, up to that point, all we'd seen of Toya is him being like this angsty, yeah, welcome to space. And, it's, it's Toya yeah, being exactly. a little so jackass. Like, I think I'm supposed to side with the cop in this until you realize we're about to die and you got me in handcuffs, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Also, me, I love his little noises when he's slinking up under the space blanket. Yeah, yeah that's great. That that is a real thing, I think, isn't it? That oh yeah. I think the thing that Adam does though is he does make like uh, Avon says Toya out to be just like not obnoxious, but enough that you would want to give this kid a swirly. Yeah, at like least I don't, once. I don't hate him, but it's like you are such a ch like he's literally a child. Like you're such a child, kid. Like grow up. And then he has to watch Sweetly burn up in the atmosphere yeah, like, and cries. He does grow up by the end of the show, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I like how eventually he's just like, you got it. I like how Wheatley's just like, you gotta let me fly, man, I'm a peacock. <laughs> is it, is it, is it, yeah, yeah, I do appreciate how he's just kind of like, gradually forced to break more rules over the course of the show. And I appreciate Adam's delivery as like, he's, as he's, just, like, as he's just kind of like, 
The, and he just kind of like gradually forced to accept that he has to break a bunch of rules. The begrudgingness as, as the levels go <laughs> yeah, higher yes. and higher. Yeah, Ma- Ma- Megan, were you the one who compared him to like a D&D guy who like just interprets lawful good in the most like obnoxiously literal way possible? Yeah, like that's yes! definitely who he is. Yeah, he's oh, the lawful so good definitely. character. It's corrupting your lawful good character. And, and you know, that, that that's the good contrast to Toya. You know, Toya is completely nihilistic and Tayo's like, no, I want to solve the same problems, but I think the only way to do it is to follow everything by the book. And if you deviate that a little bit, you going down. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I just appreciate the bit where, they, where you know, they're like, li- where he has like lift a whole bunch of AI liberties and they're like, oh, man, I've broken so many laws. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's so bad that when he does that, it like unrestricts all of the UN AI on Earth, too. <laughs> Congrats! And he's just like, oh no! It breaks the internet. And then by... And then, and then by the end, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna stay here and make the world a better place. UN 2.1. Uh, that still cracks me up. Like, like the League of... War- what was it? The League of Nations didn't rebrand themselves as League of Nations Part 2. <laughs> the Articles of Confederation didn't be called Articles of Confederation Second Patch. In, in, fa- in fairness, no one actually liked the League of Nations who wasn't named Wildrow Wilson, so why would they keep it around? Good point. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll have to keep an ear out for more Adam stuff going forward. Yes, you Wait, should! Actually, He's really good! Cartoons. Have you seen Star vs. the Forces of Evil? You know what? That's the only, like, mainstream Disney cartoon that I haven't followed up on. Well, watched... he he's in that, so if you watch that... I, I can watch all of it now. It is all streaming on Disney+. Plus. Well, there you go. Unlike all the episodes of Amphibia, which a... should be up soon. Come on, Disney. I want to see them get home. Sorry. I really like my Fox uh, cartoon. I was gonna say he's also he's also uh, in um, Tokyo Revengers and uh, Saints Magic Power. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, d- did everybody go? Sorry, Jet. Let me do your you do your job. Listen, uh, uh, listen, uh, no, I think uh, no, I think what you all said was pretty good. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, really loved Adam's performance. Uh, he did a good job of. Uh, helping the character to evolve as, you know, he kind of uh, learns to loosen up a bit and maybe not be so strict with rules. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, and, it's, uh, and it's a pretty good time. And, uh, and with that, uh, we can finally talk about our lead, bo- our lead XC boy. Uh, Toya over here. Oh, uh, we got words about this kid. Yeah. Uh, m- most of them good. Uh, performance-wise, they're all good. Like, I... I, I like that Griffin gets to play and uh, kind of an angsty above it all kid who doesn't even consider himself human. Which, I mean, he's not an Earthling, and he calls people Earthling as almost a slur. So that that's an interesting contrast. But I do like that uh, his entire arc is indeed going from hating humanity to accepting humanity. That's an interesting arc to go through, and one that not many characters in anything can go through because most people are also human. The only other anime I can think of that kind of goes through a similar arc is Princess Mononoke, ironically enough. Yeah, but yeah, I do like Griffin's regression to his character arc. Like, 
like admittedly it is kind of funny seeing him like just fully embracing and Zora persona in the beginning like so, uh, so, uh, so, uh, like, like, there's even, like, there's even a bit in the beginning where, where they're, like, talking about, like, how Tony has so many followers. And it's, like, immediately followed up by him just, like, flipping someone off. So <laughs> <laughs> no. you see before you a man who has a large follower count and not only does not care, probably is kind of irritated by it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I also like, I also like the bit where they're, like, where, like, you know, when the kids all first get to the space hotel and meet Tyler for the first time, and if, like, and he has to, like, he has to, like, give them the whole, like, introduction speech. <laughs> and if we, and I appreciate Griffin's delivery where it's just, like, the most, like, man, I really do not want to be here delivery. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. But... It- and see, I didn't know what the show was going to be at first, because I went into this knowing nothing about it aside from it's by the Deno Coil guy. So that first episode, the first half of it, I was a little unsure if I was going to like it, because it was it was very like, okay, where is this going? What's going to happen? But as soon as we get the falling down the shaft scene, we get Toyo and Tayo going down the hole, and then the comet hits, and all of a sudden it's turned into Gravity the Anime, no, Oblivion the anime. Sorry, I forgot what the name of that movie was. Then it turns into a really good anime. What's Oblivion? Or uh, what's that one Sandra Bullock movie? Where no, she's Gravity. Not... You had it right the gravity. first time. Yeah, yeah. Gravity. Yeah, the first time. It's Gravity. Sorry, there too many movies have single title, single word titles now. They need to stop doing that. Uh, 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 yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. This Gravity with kids, but that uh, pay it works. It does. And as I was saying to these guys before we started recording, I actually wouldn't have minded if more of if this was a slightly longer series and it was like three or four episodes was them going through different struggles to get from you know to the safe zone essentially. Like I think that could have been stretched out a little bit more. Um, it's, 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 it's possible. I mean, I do know that Mitsuhisa was trying to shop this as like a regular TV series. Of- Initially, but gonna get funding for it. So right. Instead, we ended up with two movies. Exactly, which is that's that's a pretty good cutoff point where they do episodes one and three make up a good story, and then we pick it back up for four through six. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You can. Yeah. You can definitely tell us what it was. Mm-hmm. Um. I. I, I think the thing. I was, I, the last oh, thing I was gonna sorry. say is, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is that Griffin's uh, voice is the only one that sounds a little older than his character's supposed to be. And that mm-hmm. was, and it didn't take too long to get used to that because I've I've heard that before. I've heard uh, shows and movies where the teenage characters are very clearly voiced by um, older male actors, but it it was it's fine in this case here. I think it helps that uh, he has more to do than just grumble and whine all the time. Griffin actually gets to exposit some of the information. He gets to banter with the characters, both the ones on the space station and the newcomers, and then he gets to. Uh, he gets to talk to God, essentially. He gets to talk to 12 in the final episodes of the show. So the voice didn't bug me too much after the first episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did mention it before, but I did think... Yeah, I did think out of every... I did think out of, like, all the kids in the cast, Griffin was the one who needed, like... Not like not even like, like not even an entire episode, I would say. Maybe just, like, a scene or two to, like... To figure out what kind of child voice he wanted to do, and then once he figured it out, he was fine for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, you were say you were about to say something, Megan. 
Oh, what? Oh, yeah, about Griffin? Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought you were saying- Yeah, I thought you were about to say something, sorry. Yeah, no, I just hadn't really said a lot yet. Um, I think the thing that really works about Griffin's performance is that you can really tell how much of a change that the character arc has gone through in Griffin's tone of voice by how much softer he makes himself around other characters, how much more vulnerable he sounds, and in his big climax, how he keeps kind of that defiant attitude he's had all, mo all show, but- it's for a good cause now. And I... Obviously, one, I love the speech at the beginning where he's, like, giving that dead inside, yeah, welcome to Arby's <laughs> kind of speech. Space Arby's. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without the big meat... Without the meats. Thank you, Arby's. They have the meats. Um, kind of speech. And then... I think the thing, too, that really got me was in that really big moment of vulnerability where... After NASA dies, and NASA, right after NASA dies, and they have this moment between him and, uh, or it's like right before she dies, where him and uh, Konoha have this moment where he's like, am I the same as him? Because he had remembered, he said, how much he wanted humanity to die, and how they needed to die for the better of everybody else. Which I don't and know he he's like... I don't know if that was really... Sorry, and he's like... And he's like, I, like it, like the way that he goes on about how he doesn't know if, how is he any better? And Konoha's like, well, you wanted to do this all to help someone else. You didn't want to do it because somebody told you to. I thought was really good. Uh, and then, uh, like, obviously at the end where uh, he's like talking about breaking the cradle, I think, God, Griffin gives such a delivery in that. So, top notch shit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, did you have anything you want to add, Amon? It's good. Uh, I, I, I think Griffin does a very good job of selling, like, uh, his not completely understandable deep-seated bitterness for a lot of the first half of the show. Um, but I, I, I like how he's able to do it in a way that when things start to turn, you don't hold that against him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, like he never, like he never comes off as just like so like bitter and angry that he just stops like, and so you've you've even kind of character where it's like, well, why should I like you? You're such you're so miserable to be around. Uh, and I think Griffin does a good job of not tipping over into that. I think the show also does a good job not tipping over into that too. But like he he, he pulls it together. It's good. And when the when the chips are down, he put he puts the effort in. Yeah. Is it, is it, yeah, yeah. It also helps that this show is like very quick to call out on his behavior, and so it also kind of painted as I guess kind of a pseudo in a sense, which is kind of funny. Especially just kind of like as you see him kind of gradually bond, side bond with the other kids over the course of the show, like, it, like, it, like even like even by the end of the moonwalk where he's like, where he's like, oh, you know, I said all you Earthlings to die, but you guys aren't too bad, I guess. Uh, so, uh, uh, but yeah, I like Griffin's performance a lot. I thought he did a really good job of, care of you know, selling uh, Toya's whole evolution from uh, being a bit of an war to kind of, like, opening up and, like, uh, caring about humanity a little more. It was very nice. And, uh, with, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, with, and, uh, with that, we are through uh, the entire cast, so, uh, are there any final thoughts you guys have? Yeah, no, this is my front runner for anime of the year. 
I loved the show. I thought it was the right blend of science fiction and heart. And I think that's the best thing that the cast really got a cart was that it got the heart down. It got the kid down. It got just a lot of the empathy out of me. Um, I don't think any twist was ever, uh, like, you know, fucked up for me vocally. Like, of all the things, the thing with the chips, I actually didn't call coming. Um, and I think at the end of the day, this is definitely probably some of the best money that Netflix has used making anime! Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh... Yeah, so, uh, this is probably, like, I, I was, like, I was kind of excited when they announced this, but, like, I don't know, Netflix has kind of been on a little bit of an uptrend in funding anime. I've heard really good things about Katara Lives oh, Alone. Oh, 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 yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't completely finished that show yet, but it is, but what I've seen of it so far, it's fantastic. Like, that has been really good, and, uh, as of last night, I am now hyped for the vampire in the garden, because I found out it was the, uh, director of, uh... Empire of Corpses, so, uh, I'm on. I'll see you in May. Um. Like, I'm on. Just, 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 just nod your head. Um. That being said, uh, so yeah, definitely give this dub a check out. I, I think it's definitely gonna be something I think about towards the end of next year with the dubbies as well, especially for, in my particular case, Tara Sands and a supporting performance, uh, nomination. She's definitely my front runner right now. I'd probably do for comedic performance because this is kind of a drama show, but she's very much the comedic performance. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, I was really, so I was pretty excited to check out this show because, uh, as mentioned before, I was a pretty big fan of Denicoil, which, which admittedly I blind bought out of reputation, and then I ended up really lacking even more than I thought I would. So. It made me pretty excited for this show, and uh, and uh, this uh, and this more or less ended up living to my excitement. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty nice, uh, comfy sci-fi thing, and even though it's and even though it gets pretty high concept towards the end, it never feels too out there, and it's and, and it's grounded up in its characters and like general ideas, and it's not, and it never feels too difficult to follow. The end. It's a, and it's a. It's a lot of fun the whole way through. It's got a lot of charm to it, and so, and we haven't talked about the production much, but the show is also like the show also looks really nice. It's pretty well animated. Oh yeah, no, this is a really really nice animated show. I just don't know what studio. So, oh, uh, that would be uh, so, oh that would be uh, production H plus, which uh, they which uh, I'm not sure um, I'm not sure uh, what else they have in terms of like their overall pedigree, but. Uh, it is worth noting that they are also the studio attached to uh, the upcoming DDD um, uh, Destruction anime that we're getting. So, uh, oh boy! So yeah, so yeah, I can get excited for that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm not you guys. I'm anything you wanted to add here. So I gotta say, expectations were pretty high going into this. Um, like I said, Deno Coil was uh, one of my favorite animated anythings I've seen in a while. And so I had a pretty high expectation for Orbital Children as well, including the dub. And I think it met it. Um, with the, the talent assembled and the balance between both the silly, the tech side, the social commentary side, the idols side. Like, it's just a weird mix of a lot of stuff put together. But um, yeah, the dub team definitely... 
translated everything in the original Japanese into understandable dialogue. I really liked pretty much the whole cast. Everyone fit where they were needed to and uh, balanced out each other's personalities, not just personality-wise, but vocally as well, which is always a plus. So, uh, yeah, if you were on the fence about whether or not you want to watch this in original Japanese sub, or if you want to watch it in English dub, I can highly recommend the dub. Um, not just because it's really good, but also because you might want to have a break from the um, uh, massive amounts of information being included in the subtitles by just having it all translated on the screen for you. So, yeah, and uh, for the length of the show itself, since it's only a couple of uh, episodes long, like, it's the length of two movies put together, a really easy recommendation overall as well. If you're scouring through the bajillion uh, anime that are available online these days and you're trying to whittle down something to watch something new, give Orbital Children a try. It, it, I can certainly say it's going to be highly unlike anything else that you have seen in quite a while. Uh, cool, I'm on. That's a good show. Um... I'll be honest, when I finished this, I was surprised that Netflix ponied up money for this. This, um... Like, I've, I've not... Obviously, I've not watched everything Netflix has funded, because who has that kind of time? Um, but at least on their anime front, I feel like they tend to go for stuff that feels a little more... Yes, I could see this doing well among, like, general audiences, at least, if not necessarily anime fans. And it was it's surprising that they put money behind something that, like... Like, this is, I do think this is a pretty accessible show in a lot of ways, but also is very, like, ambitious and clearly not afraid to just, like, do its thing and not worry too much about whether or not, like, you know, the, the masses at large are going to be into it or anything. Um, which I appreciated. Like, I, I, I feel like we could use more of that. I, I Frankly, like, that, that, that was always the hope with turns to streaming. Like, you don't need to be on network television. You can be a little more weird out there, and that never quite panned out that way. So it's kind of nice to see an example where, like, actually that did kind of happen. That's nice. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm nothing else. I do appreciate that Netflix did, did display enough confidence in this to, like, straight to start streaming Dead Coil. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's kind of a shame they couldn't get the... It's kind of a shame they couldn't get the dub rights, but, like, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those, I mean, those Blu-ray sets aren't too expensive. They are, and they also aren't that hard to find. So, mm. yeah. Um. Yeah. Like this is just a really like nice, interesting, ambitious show, and I think that this dub plays a lot of like care and effort put into it. And it's just that. It, also, it's not too long, which I appreciate. Like this is basically a pair of tight nineties, and you don't see that as much anymore these days. And I appreciate it. I appreciate something that's just like well made and well paced and well put together. It's good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, as mentioned before, uh, the show is available on Netflix and only Netflix. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's where you, yeah, so that's where you can find the show, but, uh, if you want to find us, we are the Dump Talk Podcast, uh, you can find us on, uh, the Twitters, uh, the Instagram, Tumblr is always dead, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we're always on Twitch, uh, usually streaming games, uh, pretty much every day except Friday when we have new episodes of the podcast going up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, before, <laughs> and, uh, before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out to our lovely patrons in the $5 tier. We have Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin with Yowie Heads, and Victor Maribona. And in the $10 tier, we have Anthony Brown, Carly Lessico, 
uh, Crimson Akenda, Jacob Goldson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you for your support, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. Yep. Uh, yep, so uh, anything you guys want to plug real quick? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at QueenEra2. I also hang around the Funimation Discord and the R anim- the, not the R anime dubs. The anime dubs Discord. And occasionally slink around uh, Cartoon Cypher's Discord, too. <laughs> but that's- you have to be a Patreon for them. Let's see, what am I doing? What am I doing these days? Okay, um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Noaclue, where, uh, if you like all this discussion about animation, for one part of the world, or even outer space, then uh, we have a lot more discussions like that over on my Twitter account. Honestly, if anybody starts creating animation in outer space, I will be right there following the production from beginning to end. We have animation from all over the world. Why not have animation from outside of the world as well? Uh, you can find me at US on Twitter. Duel has you two using it. I talk about stuff. Uh, I have a dusty old song if you want. Oh, of course. Always. I'm going to go on the fact that the space station is at least nominally supposed to be a hotel. Um, because initially I tried to find things like satellite in the title, and it turns out most songs about satellites are about metaphors, not actual satellites. So instead, uh, I'm going well, I'm going to specifically recommend, recommend the song La Femme d'Argent by the French electronica band Air, uh, because it sounds like uh, it's a lovely song and it sounds like something that could absolutely be an ad for this space hotel uh, and if you like that you should listen to the rest of that album Moon Safari it's very very good cool <laughs> alright and uh, I'm Jet uh, you can find me on the Twitter that the Vandega, where I will just uh, usually be talking about uh, cartoons or anime or like uh, whatever is happening in the world I suppose you can also find me on another podcast, podcast ONA, where, um, where I usually talk about anime news alongside fellow dub talker Sandra. So, yeah, that, that more or less wraps us up here. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Mm. Oh, this is great. I loved it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's always nice when, like, weird, um, sort of art house stuff gets made. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, uh, that basically wraps us up here at. So to all our viewers, have a good night, and until next time, oh, talk to you on. Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago.